Anytime we have kids involved with the service, I'm reminded of how many of you invest in our children's ministry and student ministry. I asked Katie and Julia and them to add up all of the adults and students who serve in the next generation. 183 of you are involved week in and week out, month in and month out, investing in all of these lives up here. And let's give it up for all those who invest in the next generation. Thanks for all you guys do. Katie Mezzo does a great job in our children's world, as well as Crystal Culver and so many others who jump in and help. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're glad that you're here. We're going to be gathering this morning, and we're going to gather back tonight. So you're getting like a double dip of church today. It's kind of like old school church that way. Uh, But we've been in a whole series during Advent talking about what it means to overcome evil with good. We've been looking specifically about the ways that Jesus' love and joy and peace and hope help us overcome things like hate and fear and anxiety and despair. And we've been just talking about how Advent season is such a picture of the way God has planned to have his overcoming work done in this world. So this morning, we're kind of focusing in on what is the most dominant theme in the Christmas narrative. Did you pick it up when the kids were reading through the story? Did you pick up when the angels came to the shepherds out in the field in Luke 2? What did they say to the shepherds? The first thing they said to them, do not be afraid. It was the same theme. If you fall, this is the actual, this is the most common theme in all of the Christmas narrative is do not be afraid. So Zechariah is John the Baptist's father. And when Zechariah was informed that they were going to give birth to the forerunner of Jesus, do you know what the angel said to Zechariah? He was kind of scared at the command and said, hey, don't be afraid. And then Mary, in Matthew chapter 1, when Mary is informed that the child in her womb has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, ladies, that would be a very startling command. She was a very young girl. She had not been with a man before. And then God, through an angel, whispers to her that she has a baby in her womb conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. And then how about Joseph? So Mary's pledge to be husband finds out that Mary is expecting, and he knows it's not his child, and so he has in mind, he's like, well, I'm going to try to like save face, and I'm going to bow out. I'm going to divorce her quietly and kind of right off into the sunset. And then an angel comes to him and says to Joseph, don't be afraid. Because what is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. You need to take her as your wife and raise this family. Do not be afraid. And there's an interesting thing in the whole narrative, all this command. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. And the interesting thing in Matthew chapter 1, it says of Joseph in particular, it says that after he encountered all this kind of uncertainty and anxiety and fear, it says after he considered all that, then the angel came to him and said, don't be afraid. Isn't that ironic? It caused me to ask the question, Lord, why wouldn't you send the angel to Joseph before he was kind of up all night with that pit in his stomach? Well, why wouldn't you come to him and say, hey, before he's wrestling around with all that anxiety and fear, why not on the front end of that? Why let him go through all that uncertainty and that risk and that fear and the anxiety? Why has it happened that way? And I suspect God knew what the human experience was going to be like for all of us. God knew what Joseph was going to face his whole life. 
And here's where we get a misunderstanding of true courage. Sometimes we think that courage is the absence of fear, that courageous people really don't struggle with or wrestle through fear. That's not true. Courage is only built and developed in people who come into circumstances filled with Matthew 1, Luke 2 type stuff. Uncertainty, anxiety, risk in that setting. Here's what courage is. Courage is the strength to choose the right thing at the right time in the right way. Often right in the face of fear. That's what courage is. Did you know you're not just zapped with courage? You develop courage by being thrust into circumstances in your life where you have to choose to do the right thing at the right time in the right way, often right in the face of fear. You trust God in those moments and you see him come through and then what gets developed in you is a little bit more courage. You become a more courageous person. And that's what's going on through the Christmas narrative, and that's what's going on through our lives. So maybe you stroll into Christmas 2017, and you're like, you feel a little bit like Joseph. Why, Lord, why are you letting me go around with this pit in my stomach? I thought you were an overcoming God. And right on the heels of that, he says, hey, I'm going to develop courage in you by going through some of the things that you're going through. If you will trust me and step out and do the right thing at the right moment in the right way and watch me come through, the net result of that is going to be an overcoming of this fear with greater courage. And that's what happens with Joseph. So you think Joseph kind of graduated from it after he decided, I'm going to take Mary in and I'm going to allow her to be my wife, even though that's not my child technically. And the angel intervenes and he says, okay, I'm going to take her in. And then what happens right on the heels of that? Herod. So who's Herod in the story? In a moment, we're going to watch a little video clip, guys and kids. I think you'll especially be able to connect with this. But Herod is the, he's the Roman appointed leader of the Jews, kind of keep the peace with the Jews. The Romans wanted to keep their thumb on the Jews, so they appointed Herod to do that. So his title was called King of the Jews. And then Herod is informed through the Magi. The Magi were like the astrologers. So the Magi were reading the stars, and there was this really bright star that appeared, and they they uh, went back through some of the prophecies and they figured out, hey, this is the star that points to a manger, that points to a place where a baby's going to be born, and the name of that baby is going to be the king of the Jews. So the Magi go to Herod and say, hey, Herod, we're going to go make a trek following this star because we believe the prophecy has come true. There is a baby being born in Bethlehem, and he's called the king of the Jews. Now, if you're Herod, and you're currently the king of the Jews, and you just got informed that there's a baby who's born who's going to be called the king of the Jews, what's your reaction going to be? He flips out, and he goes King Herod on the story. He decides, you know what? I'm going to go find that baby, and I'm going to kill that baby, and I'm going to make sure I kill it so I'm going to kill all the other boys two years and under. See, where did all that come from? Herod trying to wipe out any remnant of another king of the Jew. So Joseph says he's going to take Mary, and then he gets word, Herod, most powerful figure of the land in that area, with the most military might at his disposal. Herod is after the baby that's in Mary's womb. What, what would your reaction be? I'd be scared. And so what said, Joseph said he was fearful. He, he said, and, the, and the angel came to me, hey, don't be afraid. 
the angel steps in again. The Lord steps in again, says, hey, don't be afraid. Take her away from this area. Take her down to Egypt. I'll deal with Herod. So do you see this pattern? So just when you think you've kind of graduated through a section of life where you've had a plenty of uncertainty and anxiety, and then you kind of make your way through that, do you see what God does? He maybe gives you a little bit of a breath, but then you're usually thrust into a whole other set of circumstances where you can't quite see how you're going to get through what you're going through. It's not all making sense. There's a fair amount of pit in the stomach type times that go on. You say, what's the Lord up to in that? He's developing the kind of person in us that he wants to develop, and he uses ingredients like what we see in the Christmas story. That's why for us suburban North Americans, this tends to go right against the grain of the things that we value. I know for me and for so many others, right, we value safety, comfort, and convenience. Do you know that those three aren't really big on God's agenda? Like safety, comfort, and convenience, you're going to get no picture of that in the Christmas narrative. And then if you link your life up with Jesus, you're going to find he's probably up to a lot of other things like uncertainty and risk and can't quite see how you're going to get through and He puts you in those settings because safety, comfort, and convenience don't develop the kind of character in us that he's really wanting to develop. And so he knows that with Joseph, he knows that with Mary, and he knows that with us. So we're going to watch now a section out of the Christmas narrative. It comes from the the Bible series on DVD. Many of you watched this when it was on uh, television, but now produced on DVD. This is the one that was done by Mark Burnett and Roma Downey who did Touch by an Angel years and years ago, and they did a great job with this mini-series. So parents, I commend it to you. If you haven't picked this up yet, uh, you can get it on Amazon, I think, and then just, it's good to like watch sections of the Bible story and then just pause and then discuss it as a family because I think especially kids, well, even adults, were able to identify with the characters of the story and they did a good job of staying really close to the text itself. So what you're going to see here is you're going to see the Herod figure. He's freaking out, telling the scribes to find out about the prophecy. And then you're going to see the Magi. The Magi are ones kind of reading the tea leaves of the day and figuring out that this baby being born here, they want to go and actually see where Mary and Joseph are. And then you'll see kind of the overwhelmed with just what's going on look in Mary and Joseph. So take a look. It's okay. Let's give it up for our tech guys. They work so hard, right? So all morning long, I think Vanderite, Mike was back there. He's working hard. They do a great job. It's not their fault. Sometimes it's some of the technology isn't quite what it needs to be. So V, you tell me when you're good to go and I'll stop filling in space, but I know he needs a moment to kind of cue up the clip. Are we close, Mike, or you need me to fill in? We're not close, so all right, Pastor, all right, so we'll just step right back on into the message here, right? This is just called being flexible. This is called family Christmas service, right? Now, I think we had a future worship team member. Did you see the young man who was coming out here? He was ready for a solo, I think. He, he's just ready to cut into it that way, and so... So the context of where we're at in the story is, I want you, particularly when we get to this clip, parents especially, I want you to climb into the world of what it was like when you first became a parent. And I want you to think about the kinds of thoughts that were going through your head when you were handed a child. And you were probably a bit older 
than Mary in her early teen years. The best guess is 14, 15-ish for Mary. And then just try to imagine as her and Joseph tried to piece together what's happening. And an angel is the only way they were able to get it to this point. An angel had to keep stepping in. Otherwise, Joseph would have bailed. Otherwise, who knows what Mary was going to do. But an angel kept stepping in and kept kind of making sure they were going to get to Bethlehem and they were going to have this child and then Joseph and Mary were going to raise this child. They were working all the, the steps to make sure they got to that point. And I think that's a good identification for us. That's how God, he doesn't give up on us. He keeps working with us. And you see the humanness of Mary and Joseph in the story itself. How we doing back there, guys? Oh, we just keep going? I like how the look is on back there. It's a little great when you see the rubbing of the. So here's the question that we're going to end with. So I'll leave you with the end point, and then we'll backtrack from that, all right? So I know all of you, like me, think your child is above average. Because if you've been in teaching circles at all, all of you teachers, is that not a true statement? Every parent thinks their child is above average in some degree, especially when you go to parent-teacher conferences and the teacher has some kind of news that may be really hard to hear and every parent thinks, that can't be my kid. And just how overwhelming it is as a parent when you're handed a child and everyone feels like their child is like their little angel that way and definitely above average in every way. So how about Mary and Joseph? They have Jesus. So I know you think you've had a handful raising what you've had to raise. How about Mary and Joseph? What was it like for them to like help Jesus with his homework? What was that like? And you're like, well, did he really need help with his homework? I think part of Jesus identifying with our humanity is he had to learn language and he had to grow through. So he probably jumbled through some words that way. And mom and dad are like, can you picture Mary and Joseph? Go, well, do we correct him? He's kind of God, like, it's kind of a sacrilegious thing, like I'm telling. Or how about when, you know, Mary and Joseph wanted to go out on a date, and they had to get a sitter. You thought you had a hard time getting a sitter. How about those guys? Hey, will you come watch Jesus? You don't want to screw that up. I mean, you're like, holy buckets, this is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. I can't. You can't pay me enough to babysit that scene. Or parents, I want you to think about how, right, when they were handed Jesus, I want you to think about, like, when you were handed your child and you looked down. No parent is handed a child and you think, I can't wait to wreck your life. We don't say that, but parents, if we're really honest, isn't there something deep inside where we're, we're kind of scared that we're going to wreck their life? I know I am. And you kind of carry that, right? That you're just kind of scared of that. And that, think of Mary and Joseph going, we, got, we have a lot of responsibility here. And by the way, it wasn't an easy environment. A whole lot of people are trying to kill him. And after Herod goes on his chase and they move to Egypt, 
Then they find out Herod's dead, and they're like, whoo, that's great. And but, but then his son takes over the throne, Archelaus, at the end of Matthew 2. Archelaus, his son, he still is a whacked as Herod was. And so now they're like scared because Archelaus is on the throne. The angel's like, don't be afraid. Says the same thing. Don't be afraid. Right? Every step of parenting, isn't that the case? Where you come to those stages and you're not trying to wreck their lives, but you're overwhelmed with the responsibility and you're scared to death of messing it up. And into all that uncertainty and all that fear and all that anxiety, here's kind of the word that points to the overcoming rescue mission of God in all of this. There's one word that carried Mary and Joseph along, and it's one word that should carry all of us along. He says to Mary, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So I don't want you to get a picture today of every time you encounter fear and anxiety, you just got to muster up a whole bunch of courage on your own. That doesn't work very well. Have you ever done the little sticky note thing or just tell yourself, I just need to be really courageous today. And you try to like muster up all the courage you can do to face whatever. You know what we need at the core of our being? Here's a Christmas story. We need a courage beyond us to help us face whatever it is we're facing. That's Christmas. Christmas says, hey, you're going to be thrust into a whole lot of uncertainty, anxiety, and fear this coming year. To think you're not going to be living faced with fear is not a healthy way to picture living. You're never going to graduate from it. What you have to learn is when you encounter those places where you're scared to death to do the right thing in the right way at the right time, when you face that fear and you press through, here's what's going to help us press through. God with us, Emmanuel. Emmanuel says, you will not be alone in your fear. Jesus will be with you. He will help you. That's Emmanuel. And where is it in your life, where it is in my life in 2017 as we look to 2018? Where is the contact point of fear and uncertainty and anxiety these days? And right there at that spot, God says, Emmanuel, I will be with you. I will help you. You do not have to face this alone. And right there is the Courage beyond us in the God is with us. That's Christmas. A courage from beyond us based on the reality that God is with us. And that's where we can get hope. So today isn't a picture of work really, really hard to overcome fear. No, today is a picture where it's like, I can't. God, you can. Please help. That's the essence of the invitation to become a Christian, by the way. If you have never heard about what it means to follow Jesus, here's the core of it. I can't, you can, please help. That's what it means to follow Jesus. I can't do all this stuff, Lord. You can, please help. And Christmas says, Emmanuel, God with us. He can come. He can come. He can help. He can come through for you. He can make a way when there seems to be no way. This is what Romans 12, 21 says, overcome evil with good. God says, I got a plan to overcome it. His name is Jesus which means we won't face all of this alone. And perhaps some of you have felt very alone in sections of 2017. But today, of all days of the year, reminds us we're never truly alone in Jesus' name. He is God with us, and he will help us. And the net result is we'll be a little bit more courageous if we stay on the path with him. 
think Mary and Joseph probably were by the time Jesus was growing up. I think they became a little bit more courageous as parents, a little bit wiser, a little bit better at each stage, but never actually leaving the pattern of fear, uncertainty, risk. That's inherent with a human experience in this particular fallen world. Amen? Let's check back in with the crew in the back, shall we, and see what's going on here. Are we, is this even, oh, less than a minute. Wow. If I had a really good vocals, Ian Black, should I just cut into a song of some sort? Wouldn't that be amazing? I could just like run into a Christmas carol or something like that. Wouldn't be great. Let me just say a couple things about tonight, and then we'll hit the clip. If you're able to come back tonight at 6, completely different service, and we will end it with candlelight. And we'll have some cookies and hot chocolate and other things out in the atrium. And we would love if you have some time to bake some cookies or purchase a few cookies and bring them to help us supply. Because we're expecting a lot of folks to hang out with us. And that's kind of our time just to be together as a church family. So we'll be six. And then we should end between seven and 7.15. And it'll just be a good time as a family together. It's one of those hours together, I think, in the life of a body. And it just happens to fall on Sunday this year. So we can get Sunday morning and Sunday night together. Your hands up. Is that a thumbs up or a thumbs? Is that a thumbs up? Oh, that's great. Thumbs up from the tech guys. Let's give it up. I know you had a lot of friends and family come to visit you in the hospital when you give birth. I would argue it probably didn't look like that. And I love how the film portrayed their faces because that probably captured, right? Overwhelmed. What is this? All these are bowing down. So right there, church, there's God's answer to the pathway to the overcoming life. It's a baby. And that's where we'll pick up the story tonight. Let's pray together. Lord, it is an overwhelming scene to think you would come for us in this way. Thank you that you love us so much. You would become a child. Maybe there's some in the room whom this Christmas finds a whole lot of uncertainty, fear, anxiety, And right now, I just want to encourage you to lay it down and hear Emmanuel. You do not have to face it alone. God is with you. And that he can give you the courage you need to do the right thing at the right moment in the right way. And maybe there's some right now who this is a moment of surrender. Maybe it's your I can't, you can, please help moment. And just saying, Jesus, save me. That's how you become a Christian. You just call out and say, Jesus, save me. I confess my need for you. I can't do this. I can't handle my life the way it needs to be handled. I know you've got more for me. And I want to receive your amazing gift. And so you can just call out to him right now and say, Jesus, save me. And just like the angel said, his name will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sin.
And so, Lord, collectively as a church, we bow on this day as an act of worship. We join those around the manger scene, and we bow. And we lift our voices now in song, exalting you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you that because you overcame, we too have this invitation to an overcoming life. Not a life exempt from all these things, but a life that has companionship with you in them. We pray it in Jesus' name.